Welcome to Dogs of Warcry. Dogs of Warcry is a podcast from the Mortal Realms focusing on Warcry, a fast-paced cinematic skirmish game by Games Workshop. You can expect discussions on gameplay, rules, lore, painting, terrain, campaigns, and events. Welcome to Dogs of Warcry. In Episode 8 of Season 4, we'll be talking about all the various resources available for Warcry and what you can find within them. My name is Josh, and answering the call with me this week is a full panel of characters. We have Paven, Eric, and our newest member, Vint. How are you all doing? We're all here. Very good. Very uh, happy to be here. Absolutely. Paven? Yep. Yeah, nice. <laughs> nice. Family's still good? <laughs> yeah, family all healthy, all uh, hanging tight, waiting on our cool. newest member to join. Could be any day now. Could be even in the middle of this podcast. We'll see. Awesome. And uh, uh, are you sure you've got the, um, the oh, what is it? Man, I'm, I'm messing up this joke uh, from the get-go. I was going to make a joke about you having enough, like, uh, victory conditions or whatever to add another member to your war band, but it's ruined. <laughs> <laughs> i've been away too long it's not f- coming right off the tongue but we're all looking forward to, to hearing about your new one when it comes for sure this podcast will be the, the first to know <laughs> <laughs> you, hear that, you hear that everybody we'll have a special wait, no, anyway special edition from from the <laughs> er well, I'm like, a quick mom, you didn't listen to the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Live from <laughs> Attorney Ward. If uh, the cover of the podcast next episode is blue or pink, it will reveal uh, the gender of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, not to mention, you know, you know, we also have, uh, uh, obviously, Vint has been on the show uh, for a number of episodes recently, and we've... Uh, uh, asked him to join uh, full time. Well, meaning like you know, whenever he feels like it. So uh, <laughs> uh, sometimes we'll uh, we'll have him on more often. I hope and and uh, just welcome welcome to the cast, Vint. Uh, it's it's really exciting to be here. I um, I've been an avid listener since the jump, and uh, you know, making some movements around in in my world to make sure I can actually be here and and be part of this it's it's very very exciting and uh, i'm really looking forward to many 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 episodes with awesome. this group. and i'm sure listeners heard us even before vent was on the cast talking about vent because when uh we were doing our leagues and stuff vent was always uh our biggest supporter in helping us uh, get leagues organized surprise support uh through the the local shop etc so uh he's he's been with us even if he's his voice hasn't been heard so um exactly. it's nice having you here Yay. Yeah, he's been here the whole time. <laughs> Not creeping at um, all. At uh, all. Did, did he just did he just host. he just elevated a champion. <laughs> yes, <yep. laughs> all right, is, does that mean I is the lull in the conversation mean I should uh, move us to the next segment? 
Perfect. Ready for the forge? Yeah, yeah. Cool, okay, cool. Yeah. here we go. Forge of Mithraxis. What do we got hot coming out of the uh, the uh, hot off the anvil? Uh, Josh, why don't you kick us off? I'm working on those Dark Oath Savagers, as you know it. <laughs> Where, Circle well, of Pain continues. That, Where are you that, at? Yeah, is that eighty-five uh, percent? It's good. It's good. They're well. They're they're all base coated and got their first oil washes. So I got to do a couple more oil washes, and then I'll be doing the highlighting. You know, blending and then finishing up the bases. So yeah, they're they're, they're getting closer. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to I pin guess. down those dark oath savagers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've only had. Um, all right, I won't. I won't. I won't. I won't <laughs> <don't worry. laughs> We're too late in the season for that. <laughs> you know, we're sun setting here. We're all putting our feet up, uh, yeah. ready for what's next. And uh, you know, you, you know, you know, it'll probably it'll be a pretty easy, you know, vote. Uh, once once it comes around we'll we'll wait we'll do we'll, we'll let you get over the finish. I mean, this is what we did last time is that we yeah. had like an episode 8.5 and exactly. you know we announced our finished war bands and then josh uh, smoked me in the voting uh so sets expectation low you should be getting pictures now while you can before your baby's born because <laughs> 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 right. you may not have time later well well i guess if we're going into overtime Eric and Vint, do you have newly painted warbands that you guys would like to submit? Yeah, Ooh, sure. sure. If I was uh, painting right now, I would say yeah, but I haven't picked up a paintbrush in a while. I was waiting oh, yeah. for the, the monsters. Mm-hmm. Next right. season, we're definitely doing monsters, so make sure you got a monster well, lined it, up soon. It sounds like Vint is in, so maybe, maybe yeah, when uh, Josh, whenever you get over the finish line, that will be the line, and then we can all maybe take pictures. Maybe we can all get together and take pictures like we did for the original Varengard circle of paint. Yeah. Ooh, I'm in. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Sweet. All right. So, uh, yeah. Nice job, Josh. Keep it going. Hey, There's Eric, finish don't take line. over my segment. Nice job, Josh. Way to keep it going. <laughs> Eric, what have you been working on? Uh, okay, so last time we talked about uh, um, painting the Dread Fort. This time, I haven't talked about this yet. Um, about a month ago, I think, I picked up uh, a 3D printer for a really good deal. Uh, it's been something, it was kind of on my bucket list for a while. Um, and uh, so I picked one up, booted it up, you know, got it all uh, assembled and started printing stuff. And I was like, yeah, I'll just go through, you know, the free catalogs and print all that kind of stuff. And almost immediately I was like, no, I don't want to print any of that. I want to make my own stuff. So uh, the dang designer in me kicked in and uh, started tinkering around with uh, designing my own kind of 3D terrain uh, to start with. Because like, I got a Ender 3 Pro, which is um, a, PL- or a FLM printer, which means just really good for terrain more so than miniature. So um, I started designing some terrain that I think someday could be like a custom setting for, for Warcry. Um, the way that, you know, we love how the different terrain sets that have come out kind of place it in a different pl- uh, spot. Uh, so maybe I can come up with some designs to, to create, you know, a unique location uh, and have those uh, av- prints available for those files available for people to download and print. But uh, yeah, that's what I've been up to over the last month, I guess. Um, what else? Anything else? Um, I suppose just kind of imagining 
what my war my warband for uh on the 22nd of this month we're doing uh an event josh and vint are hosting their um uh shadow shadow no the shadows shadow of mouse. malice uh, yeah so they're they're hosting that locally so i've got to i got to decide on a warband for that uh so i've just kind of been in thoughts about a warband but but nothing nothing too dramatic there Awesome. That's, yeah, maybe at me. season five we'll announce our new Dogs of Warcry branded Kickstarter. Custom uh, <laughs> <laughs> terrain. Nice. <laughs> all right, I don't have to spit out. Uh, Vin, what have you been working on? You know, as as the new guy, I was like, wait, are we doing that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, I've been working on some Zeech Arcanites. I think I'm going to be pushing into um, the next the next group of uh, warbands to punch with and, and play around with because I've been trying to figure out what kind of monster would be fun. And so I've got some ideas, uh, and I've also been working on my Spire Tyrants. They've been a, a passion project put aside for way, way, way too long, and I'm really glad to kind of round back to them and get them finished up. So uh, they're they're close. Uh, I did some different stuff with, uh, with skin tones I've not tried before, and it turned out pretty solid. Um, so yeah, I'm very excited to get those done, but those are what's on the, the painting block this week. You know what might motivate you? Is what's that you did some of those pit fighting scenarios. Oh, very true. About. Very true. <laughs> Super in for that. All right. <laughs> now, I'll, I'll round us off. Uh, so I've been, I've been a medium productive kind of last few weeks. I finished a couple Eldar Warlocks. That came out with the new Eldar release. I don't, mm. I don't paint a lot of 40k, but I do paint some Eldar. So those guys are 98% done. I'm just the flock who's, who's drying on their bases currently right now. I also picked up uh, Elethane's Soul Raid, the Underworlds Warband, uh, so I can play some Underworlds because that scene is popping off in Madison. And I'm getting a little jelly about it. Uh, so mm. I picked up that Warband, and I have like you know a very sure, surely a very mediocre deck ready to go, uh, but also. They are usable in Warcry, and so I might be busting out my Aideneth Deepkin Warband and use all those nice. uh, Underworld rules. So that's pretty cool. Those are, I've just kind of started to work on them. Got like some base coats done, uh, and then uh, forever on the Crucible of the Dreadhold uh, continues. <laughs> I did, I did make a breakthrough. I or I, I, you know, I talked about I ordered a bra random bronze primer, just hoping it would work, and I really yeah. like it. It uh, nice. it worked out. It's like a kind of a dark bronze. It's you know a cheap house paint mm-hmm. uh, but it gives me it gives me a base to work on speeds up things incredibly um like it was definitely the right choice and Sweet. i have like pretty meaningful progress on one of the towers and the gate and another wall section uh, i didn't quite have the heart to batch out everything i had so there's still some stuff back in my closet but i can see i can i can see finishing uh which is Excellent. really great so nice awesome. yeah very cool. But that's it. That's all I got. That's, that's a I lot. Be- I believe in you. Thanks. Thanks, Eric. Um, <laughs> I, I want to one day, I think my, what keeps me going is the, is like one day us assembling all of our Madison dreadholds into one magnificent and horrifying and oddly figuring together uh, super chaos castle and then oh, playing yeah. a huge game of Warcry on it. Oh yeah. Um, Big old siege he- battles. Headline on, and on the news that night, uh, Madison nerds uh, self-sacrifice in a strange ritual uh, <laughs> as we've all impaled ourselves on a bunch of terrain. 
spiky bits. <laughs> Corn does not care what the blood flow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fun. News um, at 11. Uh, all right. All right. Let's move on. All right. Next, Path to Glory. And uh, unfortunately, I've had no Warcry games in recently. But uh, how about the rest of you? No, game. Who no games. Who has had games? Who has had games? Uh, I've gotten a couple games in um, against some Seraphon. Uh, I wanted to kick the dust off the Spire Tyrants, and um, they they uh, performed adequately. I had forgotten how they played, so getting to see how they work was really really cool to kind of relearn. Mm-hmm. Um, went one in one. Those uh, those Pterodons are fast, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. So, yeah. Yeah, and they hit hard. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yep. Um, we had added some taller terrain features as well. So we had two that were over seven inches tall, and lattice work to kind of build like a a weird kind of a maze to get up there. And cool. uh, it was it was neat. Nobody fell off though, much to my sadness. There was uh, there was <laughs> nobody getting yeeted off the top. And that that is uh, from the top rope kind of thing. That is one of my favorite parts of Warcraft. So <laughs> nobody got yeeted into lava. Although um, somebody died, and you always got a roll, and they fell in afterwards. So it was okay. Nice. nice. I feel like when you have taller terrain, you should almost just have a rule that anytime anybody moves, they have to roll uh, to see if they fall off. And you just more fun. We had uh, we had the rules from Catacombs on the lattice work. Where if uh, you stood on these like weird rickety boards between pillars, oh. you uh, and you fell, you you'd fall and take, you know, depending on on the height. It was uh, if you were at the top level, it was two d six. If you were at the bottom level, it was you know the the intermediate level. It was one d six. Nice. Um, so it was it was fun. It was you know goofy. <laughs> um, we were practicing some objective play because uh, that was new for who I was playing with and. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was a lot of fun because they've they've been having a hard time with their their pterodon, and then they found out they could grab a treasure token and then just be nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it was pretty good. Um, yeah, different warbands, different scenarios make a huge difference. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's awesome. All right, no games here. Uh, I think uh, we tried to play some games, but I got sick, and then Josh got sick. Uh, and uh, you know, mm-hmm. busy and all that kind of stuff. So, hopefully, we'll get some games in before uh, the event on the twenty second. Otherwise, I'm gonna be real rusty. <laughs> <laughs> we can plan for it, but who knows? <laughs> all right, that's everybody. Should we move on to the visions of madness? All right, a lot of exciting news coming at us from the visions that the oh, gods yeah. are giving us. Uh, Warhammer Fest happened uh, a week before this recording. Uh, where do we want to start? Hmm. That's, you know, duh. how about what was your favorite, Paven? Do you, do you have a favorite? Uh, my favorite was, I don't know, I liked all of it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about Warcry, though. Okay. Can we, talk about, can we talk about that first? We have to yes. earn, earn that uh, by like talking through all the 40k stuff for a while. <laughs> I would say uh, Skirmish Games got a lot of love at uh, Warhammer Fest, and Warcry definitely um, had some cool stuff uh, that that we're looking. 
you know, nice thing is with this turn, last turn, um, with last tone of champions, we know that more models are going to be playable. So anything that comes out for age of Sigmar, anything that, uh, comes out, uh, is, is easily usable in Warcry at some point. So, uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of cool things. Uh, I really liked the, the new horns of Hashet Warband with their big, you know, horned helmets. I think that was, a, is a really cool aesthetic. Different mm-hmm. enough from, uh, in my opinion, from the Iron Golems. Uh, I wonder if they'll play similar, big armored, you know, whatever. Um, but I thought it was a really cool aesthetic and and uh, yeah, clothing forward to seeing them. Yeah. Okay. Anybody else have a favorite? How about you, Vent? For me, I really, really liked. Um, I mean, all the different chaos stuff for 40k and. Age of Sigmar, of course, too. You know, with the the Theradins, my mind was racing with with options to uh, to put them together to make them different versions of Ogroids uh, to play in the Warcry bands. Uh, but then, uh, my my heart of hearts, the Eshin Deathmaster uh, had me had me just screaming. It was so <laughs> cool uh, that with the new Underworlds team, uh, the realization of an all Eshin um, Skaven Clan mm-hmm. Eshin. Warband was just it was all it's all so close I could taste it right there yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> I'm I'm very excited uh, uh, now I I'm gonna have to pick which Deathmaster I want to use you know that and that's a good place to be in mm-hmm. sure because they're all such good models and the you know the, I'm just very very excited for the the new range stuff that's coming mm-hmm. yeah okay, I gotta I'll, say I'll, I'll pick out I'll pick out the favorites then perfect. Uh, uh, my, I really like the Gossamid archers a lot. I think those yeah. are very, very good looking miniatures for the Sylvaneth. These are the kind of butterfly tree revenant archers. Um, those guys look real sharp. Um, and then I think the Cent- Centaurian Marshal for Warcry, yes. which is mm. this centaur, but with four, uh, four arms on the human yes. half, uh, <laughs> was hella very cool. And, uh, yeah, and I'm I'm really excited for that one to to join to join the games. All right, yeah, are we ready to speculate had... wildly on what Warcry new new Warcry is? Well, well, first of all, we should say the new Warcry logo was revealed, and that it was moving to the Narwhal in Gur, and and it was some sort of asteroid comet hits the Narwhal, and there's this magical uh, destruction, and all the warbands mm-hmm. are kind of moving in that direction that direction so that, that's what we know i think right from the little video exactly we got new some... location new yeah. branding uh, just new to say we were in gear first hey maybe you drew them all there you know uh, I'll, I'll just get this out there i'm not as big a fan of the new logo as i am of the old one uh but that's the last you're gonna hear me say about it uh, Quick, Eric logo review. Why? Yeah. Tell me. Tell it. Let's, let's, let's dive in. I just <laughs> said that was all. I just said that was all. <laughs> well, like, all really we, have a, we have a professional on the podcast for once. Uh, what you know? Give me. What, what is your? What is your professional opinion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so I think one of the most, certainly one of the most important things about a logo is is readability that you can read what it says. So I could see that maybe the old one. Uh, for some people, wasn't as readable from a distance. That being said, you knew once you knew what the logo was, you could see it anywhere, and you knew what the product was. 
I feel like the new logo sort of uh, becomes a little more generic. It's a little less um, unique, and it doesn't necessarily have its own a silhouette that uh, means that you're going to pick it out from far away, you know, know what it is, et cetera. So I think it sort of just it dumbs down a little bit. Um, and uh, whereas the old one was just much more stylized and, and interesting to me, uh, more wild. I thought it captured even, ca- you know, it certainly captured the chaos. I suppose I could see them, you know, like with this new logo that it feels a little bit like, um, uh, you know, like more a, primitive felt more yeah, primitive. Kind of, yeah. Primitive lettering, et cetera, which is fine. Uh, but I think they could have done something else to just kind of, uh, you know, add a, add an icon above it or something like that to make it more grr. Um, so yeah, some of it is just, I, I really enjoyed that last logo and thought it was pretty iconic and wish it would have stayed. I, uh, to, to spin kind of what, with what you're saying, the, the, the new age of Sigmar logo, uh, those boxes, if you've seen them look really, really close to what the war cry boxes look like. So I think our mm-hmm. first logo was so good. It knocked it out of the park, and now all of Age of Sigmar is going to follow suit. Hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they, they had to. I didn't think about that point, but they had to like give up red. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> 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 the boxes are very, very similar now, which is nice when you see them all on a wall. However, um, you know, going to like a, a the yellow color or that that beige and dusk. I don't know. Maybe they've got some really cool cool things in mind and hopefully there's some yeah you know some box art advantage uh yeah to make it make it all super standouty because uh, that that is half the fun right you go into a shop and you see your war cry box and it looks different and really really neat um so i'm excited to see whatever this is that they're going to be how they're yeah. going to make them awesome and stand out and really really neat <laughs> i will so, say well, i'm glad they're going to gur uh the same way that Age of Sigmar and Thondia and all this kind of stuff. So it's pretty cool that we're all moving there together, regardless of which game you play. I know, well, uh, Underworlds left Gur, didn't they? Or are they still in Gur? Yeah, Underworlds is ahead. Underworld, yeah, well, I don't Ogu. know, ahead. They're just somewhere yeah. else. They're, they've already left Gur and they're in Ugu. Yep. Yeah, I got it. When you've got so smaller good. warbands, you just go faster. That's how that works, I think. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Okay, what what do you guys let's 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 get okay, so that's what where we are, what we know, more or less. What do you think we're gonna see in this? What do you wanna see? And let's start like on from like a miniature narrative perspective, and maybe we can talk about rules later. Yeah. Well, hmm. I would like to see I I know that, you know, there's a lot of um beasts of chaos lovers, and there's a there's at least one beasts of chaos uh underworld's war band. Um I think there's two, aren't there? Just one. one. Just one. Um, I think that would be a really good space for for Gur to go, uh, is to get a, get a warband that's from Beasts of Chaos and unique models and and that sort of stuff. I know, and we've got. Do we have one Beast of Chaos and like one Beast Man in the the yes. various uh, yep. armies? Spire yep. Spire Tyrant. Yeah. Yep. So I think that'd be a cool place to go, um, and then in terms of like every time they come out with a new box, there's new terrain. I would love to see some natural terrain, some woods and, and, you know, we've already, I hope it's not just like the, the woods, the three trees that the, the wild uh, woods. Sylvaneth yeah. use, mm-hmm. but I hope there's new like platforms and, 
uh, that sort of stuff that are more wood themed. I think that would be pretty cool. How about you guys? You know, I kind of was in the same boat. I was like, man, the, the new Thondia, um, like realmscape set that, that set is really, really neat. And right away when I saw the, the shrine that they have with the waterfall on it, uh, I, I, you know, I thought right to myself that it would be great to throw somebody off the top of it, right? Like, <laughs> like how do I put this into my Warcry games? Because this is so cool. Um, and then I got to thinking that, man, more of this would be cool. Like, more, like, what if the, the monster's skull, you know, the giant long area um, skeleton, if you tripped over that, like, do you get, you know, do you wake it up and all of a sudden there's a Kronspire monster chasing you around, you know? Um but yeah, some some very Gur themed things, and there's a lot of stuff in the New Thandia book that they talk about new monsters and new danger dangerous things that just exist in Gur. So seeing more of that come through uh, in the setting would just be so neat, and having the terrain, you know, really echo that would just be uh-huh. Chef's kiss, perfect. Yeah, it'd be more interactive, like catacombs, sort of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would. Yeah, going off that, like it'd be really cool to see like carnivorous terrain or yeah. like, carnivorous plants, and so the the terrain is fighting you while you're fighting the you know the other yeah. warband. That would be really cool. My vote is always for when it comes to warbands, though, uh, not like doing an Age of Sigmar army in a warband, but mm. just giving me something weird and like its own thing, like something that would that wouldn't work as a full army, or like mm-hmm. you know doesn't think that way, but it's just like a you know. Uh, ramshackle group of of idiots. Um, I got you. I, love, I got one for you. That. Well, first of all, obviously, people were really hoping for chaos dwarves, you know. So eventually, we should get those. But you know, I don't think it's happening right away. But what I thought would be really cool is based on all the recent lore, you know, from Age of Sigmar and the Thandia book, is if we had one of those aware beast warband, you know, where it's the people and mm. the, the races are, you know, impartial change or changed all the way. So you know, they don't look like typical beastmen. Maybe some of them do, but some of them are like half beast, yeah. half half human, half beast, half dwarf. And they got different traits, you know. They can even have some, you know, even the Stormcast are changing in some of those. So that would be kind of cool to have a, a mixed creature wear, yeah. wear band. And not have them just be goat people. Uh, exactly. Some, some lion beasts and some hyena beasts and different stuff like that. That's a cool idea. Yeah, that would be kind of living in the se- uh, you know the setting as it is, and, and explain how they got into that particular area right away. <clears throat> there was a story early on where uh, the Stormcast, I think it was the Vindicators, were chasing some orcs or chasing something into Gur, and there was a fort, and depending on the moon, this well would change, uh, and if you drank from it, it would turn you into a, a beast of some sort. Uh, so. You know, something like that could be cool, like a mechanic where you get too close to the the waters of Gur or something like that. Yeah, and I think uh, the other thing would be cool. Well, with all these new uh, Sylvaneth models coming out, they're very Revenant focused with the Gossamet Archers, the Spite Rider Lancers, mm-hmm. Revenant Seekers. Is you can almost have an entire warband of Revenant type models now with for Sylvaneth. So it would be kind of cool if they did some sort of spin on that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Paven, did you have an alt kind of warband in mind or hope? Um, I mean, I, I just want something like new and weird. Like 
my favorite release they did was uh, Spire Tyrants versus Shadowstalkers in Catacombs. Mm. Uh, one, what, because I mean, both all the miniatures were really strong and really great, but like we had never seen Shadow Stalkers before, and they really like inspired yeah. the imagination for like who who are these elves? Like, what are shadow demons? Like, how did like what are they doing there? Um, and I thought that was really cool, and I hope they do more of that. Like, you know, war bands that ask more questions than give us answers. Yeah. Um, so I don't really know. I don't know. We'll know what that is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, but the other answer is like a Cities of Sigmar warband, like you know, uh, <laughs> an alliance cool. of, of 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 humans and elves, and just like you know, trying to just grind it out. Uh, yeah, I think that'd be really dope. A mixed awesome. bag, and maybe that. a little, a little more, a few more models than than normal because you gotta change it up a bit, or a few more right. weapon swaps. Yeah, dope. Uh, and of course the. The, the surprise reveal at Warhammer Fest, that long-term project of new Cities of Sigmar models, I think, got people pretty hyped. <sighs> yeah. I, it, well, you know, what that means, what they'll look like, who knows, yeah. but definitely gets the imagination going. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. That's going to be neat. Yeah, it Seems feels like what they've done so far is sort of not just been a stopgap, because I think that they've put some really good lore into the different you know, seeds of hope cities and, you know, you know, from Anvil, Anvil guard to, um, Excelsis, et cetera, uh, and hammer hall, like there's good lore there and there's some uniqueness there, but it seems like they're digging in deeper and they're going to really pull out some more stuff. And I, I hope it's, I like that they're kind of teasing that out and I hope we see a little bit of it as they go. Yeah. Can't wait. All right. We can't talk about the future. We got to talk about <laughs> Circle of Paint Challenge. Oh, yeah. The Circle All of right. Paint. I think, we th- I think we've talked about this in the hobby section. But, uh, Josh, we where did. are you at? What's the plan? We did. Yep. No. So, we're rocking and rolling. Should be wrapping it up. So, as we think about when we'll have our 8.5, um, we will definitely get some pictures out to everybody for voting. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, our preview, we will be doing monsters for this next Dogs of War Cry season. So it should be quite interesting what mix we get. Should all right, all right. Yeah, I'm still done with my. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you didn't accidentally it? take paint off. <laughs> all right. So for our victory condition uh, in this episode, we're going to talk about the various books and articles available for Warcry and summarize what you can get out of them so you know whether you want to pick them up. Absolutely. In the past, we've tried to, to create some uh, episodes where we kind of just uh, go over some of the stuff that's out there so that if you know, you're curious, you haven't caught up with everything like me, uh, and you're still wondering what some of these uh, have in these books because you haven't looked at them yet, uh, this is the episode uh, for you. If you want to share it with a friend, uh, who's kind of curious about what the different books are, et cetera. This might be a good guide. Um, as we kind of was hinted at at Warhammer Fest that, um, you know, the new Warcry logo and location could indicate uh, a new a new set, like a, a 2.0 or something like that. Um, we don't really know. So we're not, we don't want this to come off as a, you definitely need to buy these or whatever. But if you are looking to pick up uh, Warcry in its current iteration. Here, there's here's some things and uh, might help you decide what you want to pick up or 
maybe things that you didn't know was there and you want to complete your collection, uh, we'll help you uh, learn what those things are. So why don't we get it kicked off uh, with the 2019 release of the core rulebook. And uh, I want to I wanna just kind of go around the horn and, and, and get your kind of nostalgic uh, memory, your, your uh, where were you? And what was it like getting that uh, core rule book uh, for the first time, Josh? What was, what did that feel like for you? What do you remember about it? It was, uh, it was exciting. Uh, I had I had put it on pre order, and I was actually in Alaska on vacation with my family when it arrived. So I had to wait until I got back to tear into it and see all the good contents. What it was, it was definitely very exciting. Absolutely. How about you, Pavin? Oh, those were the days. Way back, <laughs> we were young men. Uh, yeah, core, core book is great. Still, if you want to play Warcry, pick up the core book. Uh, it's got a lot. Of, it's got a ton of value in there. It's got a great rule set. It's got you know narrative, all the narrative quests. It's got uh, you know, it's got some uh, I think multiplayer stuff, uh, some match play stuff. Yeah, it's it's great. It's, it's must buy uh, if you want to play Warcry. But if you don't want to play Warcry, I'd say don't get it. And what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the core rules are covered in the Red Harvest book now, too. So mm. if you can't find it and you still want to play Warcry, the Red Harvest has got all the rules and everything. Well, don't place. jump ahead. Don't jump ahead. Come on now. we got an order of things for a reason. Uh, <laughs> Vince, what was what was it like uh, learning about Warcry for the first time for you? What did you think about the the core rules and, and what they what they brought to the table? Uh, I thought they were super, super fun. Um, I think the the narrative focus and the, the drive was just uh, really inspiring. It really pushed a lot to um, to make it more uh, more of just a concise and fun and driven narrative uh, with the idea of a convergence. Like, that was so cool. Um, and that they were built around being difficult uh, and making it specifically hard for you uh, as the player. It was super, super cool. Um, and I really, really jived with that a lot. I'm going to, I'm going to echo that. I felt like we didn't know exactly what to expect when they started teasing this stuff out. We, you know, many of us had played uh, Mordheim and uh, Warhammer, or, you know, Age of Sigmar skirmish and tried a few different things like that. Um, and we thought maybe it was going to be, you know, a more refined version of that, but it ended up being, I feel like a completely different and, to my limited, you know, I haven't played many skirmish games outside of, you know, the Games Workshop sphere, but it was completely different than anything I'd played in the Games Workshop sphere. And I think the, uh, the rule set itself, how it set up, you know, uh, activations and, and uh, having our, you know, your um, your dice and your the little abilities that you could do. Um, and then I think the, the campaigns set up to where I'm just working on my campaign. You're working on your campaign uh, yep. and we're making our own choices was completely different than anything I'd seen before. Yeah. Um, yeah it was very and novel. just uh, felt like it allowed for us to kind of just create our own personal narrative for our war band in, in this, just as somebody was creating the narrative for their own war band. So it, it made it less dependent on other people kind of getting on board with what you wanted to do. Um, uh, and just made it more, much more individualized. And so, yeah, the core rulebook had uh, the core rules, how to play, 
uh, it had the campaigns that we all kind of we probably all completed at least one of those uh, around the horn. Everybody completed one campaign from the narrative narrative play uh, section. Yep, yep, yep. Of course. Yeah. So it was the first ones we had, um, and uh, uh, it just opened up the doors. Now some of the other things, the open play. Um, I think we tried a triumph and treachery game. It didn't quite live up to where I where we'd played Triumph and Treachery in Eighth Edition. It wasn't quite that. It was something close to that, but it was a little bit different. And it had some tournament pitch battle stuff, uh, which I don't I don't know. Did anybody play any of that or use any of that uh, early on? Nope, I hadn't. Yeah. Uh, I tried a couple games with it just because I wanted to see how this this very narrative central game played in a in a match play setting it just seemed very like hey i wonder how this will actually all step up uh, or stack up against itself and how it'll if it'll feel cognizant it was good it was nice um especially when teaching newer people eric do you mind i want to wax nostalgic a bit please uh so this is really directly related to the cool core rule book but my one of my favorite thing favorite parts or favorite lead up to war cry was remember when they just showed us like a bunch of random symbols and then we were all trying to figure out what those symbols meant <laughs> yeah. and like oh like what's gonna be in the game what's not gonna be in the game like are these for in like they're oh they're like they're like uh they're war bands for each realm like what is it gonna look like what is hish gonna look like like what is mm-hmm. it actually gonna look like and there was like oh and i remember when there was a moment when there was like only one war band left to reveal and it was either Hish or Akshi. And we had just spent the last three years in Akshi, the Realm of Fire. And so, like, they're going to do, like, a corn like, fire war band. We all know it. Uh, but, God, we just want to have some information about Hish. We, had no, we knew nothing. Um, and they, they went and they revealed that uh, the... Oh, I can't even remember their name. Josh, what's your war band again? Uh, mine? The Cypher Lords? Cypher Lords. They revealed the Cypher Lords, and they were like, crazy weird and they were like kung fu with these uh, uh, dorky helmets and we're like oh man it's hish and it was uh that was like that was a great moment uh yeah yeah that's true that was super fun that was fun yeah tying into like uh a lot of my last 10 years has been a lot of creating iconography for things and so uh that was a real treat of uh just getting to see the different icons and stuff and using that that visual language in the game uh really elevated it for me I think too. Um, uh, and, and then, yeah, playing the guessing game was pretty fun. So the, the core rule book came out, really changed uh, a lot of ours. You know, obviously many of us went all in on uh, Warcry. Many of you out there went all in on Warcry because of the core rule book and uh, the, the variety of models that came out. Um, uh, quickly after that, uh, maybe a month or two after that, uh, they came out with some more material in White Dwarf number 446 uh, for narrative play. And uh, this was called Arena of Blood. Uh, and this was uh, set up as a campaign event. Um, what did you guys think of that? What did, did anybody get a chance to play that or uh, kind of experience that? Uh, in aspects, and, and I'll just throw out there that this is September 2019, because I think back then the White Dwarf was still using month and, and year um but uh i've taken components of this particular campaign event and used it for some of our uh, league events you know in terms of like you can have up to five models of 600 points value you know for each player so uh, i've taken aspects of it 
and it looks like a really fun rule set, you know, where you, you're, you're kind of playing to the crowd and you get fame and the crowd does random events kind of thing. Yeah, it, it looks like a lot of fun to try, but we have not yet done it as a campaign event ourselves. Any other thoughts on uh, kind of this? Uh, I mean, I thought it was pretty cool that the White Dwarf started creating or put, publishing content for, for Warcry so you could get a, a few new ideas or somebody in the design studio could come up with a new way of playing it and they could just publish it this way. Um, mm-hmm. uh, any other thoughts on, on the value of the White Dwarf number 446? Nope. Nope. All right. Where'd we go next, Vince? What came out? Well, after Sorry. that came out Monsters and Mercenaries. Oh, yeah. And that was a huge book. That was a big deal. Yeah. Uh, being able to add monsters, being able to add more than just your 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 beasts to your group. Uh, instead of just thralls, you had you had all sorts of awesome things you could add. How did it? Yeah. What did it mean to you, Eric? What did I remember? Yeah. You were through the moon when that came out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think not only um, it, it went from the small scale to the really big. Like, of course, you want your warband to go out and fight monsters or that sort of thing. Like, that's really cool. And I really loved the challenge battles um, where you needed to go out and actually fight the monster in order to like subdue it and break it and like uh, get it to be able to join your warband. Now, I've still yet to, to play that because I haven't decided what monster I want to bring into my, uh, my warband, uh, and I'm hoping for some new cool monsters to come out soon. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I thought that was a fantastic um, kind of, not, not a way to just go and add a monster. I'm going to grab this monster and put it in my warband, but create some way of feeling like you've earned it. Um, so I really liked that from a narrative perspective. Mm-hmm. How about you guys? Yeah, no, I think it was awesome, especially, you know, they, they added faded quests, which, you know, were, you know, anybody could play them, uh, which was really nice. And, uh, you know, they, they made the exalted command traits, so they're a little bit different than what you could get in your normal quests. But like you said, just the, the addition of challenge battles as a concept and faded quests as a concept were, you know, just expanded all the narrative possibilities. And it was really awesome, you know, besides the fact that you could have monsters and outlets. Yeah, my favorite part of this was, besides that you can take the whole Gobapalooza in your warband, was that it was easy, it was it made it like open up the possibilities to tell like narrative stories or to theme your warband more specifically. Like you could add any like representative from any of the chaos gods to your individual chaos warband and make it hmm. kind of seem like maybe they were trending in that direction. I think that was something maybe, Eric, you explored with your uh, Dogs of Warcry warband. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you started yeah. adding, they were already like kind of corn tinted, and then they like a you know a slaughter priest during the war band, and that like solidified that theme. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I liked that a lot too. Or and you know being able to add something with just and and they did a really good job. I thought of just adding like a smidge more power or a smidge more versatility to a war band, um, not feeling too overpowered or or too much. Even the monsters, like it felt like it was a big chunk. Uh, to to at you know to to play field one on the on the uh, in your warband, so we didn't see it a ton. Like it didn't feel like anybody like, oop, I've got a monster now, and I'm just going to go and smash all the, the other warbands. Mm-hmm. Um, so right. I thought it, I thought it did a really good job of just adding like a pinch of salt to the game uh, in in really fun ways. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was around this time they added the three new uh, allies to the Borgroid Mimirdan, the Sphinx, and the Formoid. Those were awesome. I think those came later. I thought they came out the same uh, at the I end of 2019. Champions, because I, I currently I got out the book. I dig it because like I haven't looked at Monsters and Mercenaries in a super long time. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I think I think this was Tome of Champions. Gotcha. So they came out later in 2019, but just yeah, not, yeah, yeah, Monsters yeah. And Mercenaries. Yeah, okay. which this was still a pretty quick succession. Uh, yeah, it was. You know, they, yeah, they wanted to have a lot of content out for this game pretty quick. Which mm-hmm. I'll say at first it was a lot because I think we were still enjoying everything from you know these other uh, books, um, and we weren't qu- quite sure yet that the Tomo Champions was going to be the annual, um, like the Age of Sigmar has the General's Handbook. Um, mm-hmm. We weren't we weren't clued in yet that uh, the Tomo Champions was going to become our annual release with new stuff. But that brings us to Tomo Champions 2019, which was sort of. Um, you know, added some things that had an open play, a match play, a narrative play section, just like the core rulebook did. What was kind of cool here is that there were they added kind of a, a terrain setup generator type of thing, uh, which was sort of interesting um, and kind of a way to have one player could set up the terrain and then, uh, which <laughs> was helpful in a couple of cases where I was like, I'd go, I'd play uh, Paul and there was a like a, you know how they have the phases right now where you you know pull the cards and you do the setup or whatever. This added a phase where someone one person could set up the terrain and then the other person got to kind of pick some of the other things. So he had the terrain ready when I got there, um, ready to play. Um, and uh, that was kind of fun. But then we also had uh, kind of some expanded on some other things. Uh, Paven, what, what stood out to you from Toma Champions 2019? Oh, it's the Trial of Champions. Oh, uh, yeah. Heck yeah. We were, we were always, like we, can, we were like, we loved Warcry. We loved how easy it was to play. But now that we had, like, a few you know campaigns under our belts, I was looking for something a little bit more crunchy. And Trial of Champions gave that additional crunch, not making it feel like, like a, you know, we were playing spreadsheets, the, the war game, uh, but just a little bit more color you could add to your war bands, like taking over territories that did things. And having more injuries for your warband as they slowly like <laughs> limped along and became more and more disfigured and uh, disabled uh, <laughs> as as they fought their way through the eight points. Uh, so I was a big big fan of Trial of Champions. Uh, that's I think I only played Trial of Champions unless I was like doing a learning game uh, from there on out. Yeah, sure. Yeah, like this. Yep. No, that that added a lot, and th- so I think of uh, you know these first three books were pretty great kind of um, additions to each other. Like they, they rounded out the, the, the resources that we had. Um, and there were, it, it seemed like there was just every single one of these was adding a ton to the, to the landscape uh, in that, in those, in that first year. Any of anything else you guys want to say about Toma champions 2019? It was a pretty great, pretty great addition. Yeah, I love the addition of the new roaming beasts. You know, for in the, in the core book we had chaos beasts, but this one added um, wild cave creatures and restless undead as additional roaming beast options, which you know just expanded again the theme that you could have in your games and your narrative. It's a nice touch, for sure. Yeah, and I, I almost at this point still feel like there's still stuff in 2019 that I haven't had a chance to use yet, um, and so. 
to some extent, I feel like it's still a viable resource, like uh, to go back and say, okay, how do I play with zombies? Like, I would love to to imagine a, a zombie uh, horde game, and I tried to imagine one for Plunging Spires, but when I ran out of time, that was the first one to get the first uh, scenario to get cut because it was I hadn't had a chance to to go through that yet. But uh, I hope that there's still stuff there to kind of mine for for ideas for sure. At that point, then, uh, Vint, we got a couple more uh, White Dwarf things that uh, you were pretty excited about. You want to talk about them? Yeah, so we had the, the Gotrek battles and the Bugmansons battles. That's a mouthful every time. Uh, the Bugmanson battle. And what was cool about those was that both they were very themy and fun, and they worked really well if you were doing a, a Bugmanson, or they worked really well if you were doing a Gotrek, just because that was what they were written for. Um, but I took a lot of the rules for those, and uh, over over COVID, uh, the in the in the downtime, one of the things that I wanted to do is how would I make a narrative campaign for a, a zero to hero, right? Like you're just a guy walking around in the in the wastes and build you up into a full fully fledged and operational warband, um, and then getting into like Age of Sigmar sizes for things and how I would look at doing that. And both of these, these the challenge battles for Gotrek were a great place to start. You know, you'd give your character some extra, um, some, some extra activations, and you'd, you'd let it have some maybe beefed-up stats, uh, and then you could try and survive that. And if you survived the Gotrek battles, you know, maybe the, you know, the, the beach scene, if you will, is going to be the Bugmanson battle, where you're running around doing the Bugmanson thing with Bugmanson. Uh, and then at the bar, you pick up your warband, and then you're starting to play regular Warcry games and run through your convergence as normal. And they're just really, really neat to have your, you know, the one-man army feel uh, for your narrative and for your for your gameplay experience. And those are just the way the way it should be. It was just a lot of fun uh, running through that that uh, that those systems and those two. Um, you know. That's that's a really cool concept uh, of like taking like even a, a pre campaign campaign like a like a uh, a prologue uh, campaign for your hero uh, your leader uh, being able to run them through like some solo challenges or something like that or them and their their champion their right hand um, person um, that would be I, what you bring up seems like would be a really good added flavor to to a narrative. Um, help flesh them out, give them uh, some challenges and, and obstacles that they've already faced before they, they pull their warband together. Absolutely. And it gives them exactly that. It gives them some character, right? Uh, it When you're playing Dungeons & Dragons, you don't start out at level 16 and know all the tricks and have a huge crew of followers behind you and all this renown and all this fame. You start at level 1 where the most, most angry mosquito can end your whole world. And... Uh, I kind of wanted that feel of mortality when I was playing playing those <laughs> missions, but still feel heroic. And they did such a good job with the Gotrek one that when you mm-hmm. play it, your your character feels heroic. Uh, and then the rest of the time, you feel like he's kind of on his laurels once you get into you know your warband and Warcry. And it it just it it felt really smooth and transition worked really well. So nice, it's awesome, cool. All right. Then we had a bit of a, a 90 degree turn and maybe a 90 degree turn down uh, with <laughs> the catacombs release. 
Paven, I know this was a, a big favorite of yours uh, and, and Vint as well. Do you guys want to, did something stand out to you as, in terms of uh, what advanced Warcry along with this release? Yeah, I would love to. Uh, Catacombs was really awesome in that it advanced the narrative of Warcry. We didn't even think there was much of an overarching Warcry or narrative, but it advanced the narrative of Warcry. It advanced the narrative of Age of Sigmar, uh, which the events of Catacombs led quickly into Broken Realms Marathi. It introduced a new part of the eight points, which is underground, uh, and the concept of Varanite. It gave us new rules, which I think were an improvement on the original rules. Uh, I think I prefer dungeon battles to regular Warcry once I started playing them. They were super mm. fun. Um, two new warbands, Canaanite Shadowstalkers, dope, Signs of the Flame, hella dope. Um, I think my, they're like my two favorite Warcry warbands. And uh, what else? Uh, it, it was, yeah, I, the only thing I'll say is I think I don't. I don't want to complain at all. It's great. It was great. <laughs> you can complain. I'm interested I, in 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 what about catacombs? Like the non elevation, you like better than elevation. Um, I think the games played in a felt like a more kind of fair way. It felt like in original Warcry, you there were some situations where it felt like you just didn't have a shot. Um, whether like, oh, this group isn't good, is going to come in on turn three and then the game ends on turn three. And so they're not going to go anywhere. Um, and just kind of the board being flatter and more walls and all of the games lasting five turns really made it feel like everybody could mix it up. Hmm. Um, and I, so I thought those, yeah, the reserves rules, you know, again, you know, making sure anybody could show up anywhere on the board was kind of cool. Yeah. It made sure like everybody showed up in the action as opposed to possibly on the far end of the board where it didn't matter. Um, so I thought that was, that, was, that was like, those were good game innovations. Nice. How about you, Vint? I know that you like the catacombs a lot. Is it just about kicking people into the lava or what else? I mean, you, like you know, it? you, I could, I could give you a really big flowery response about how, you know, the, the feel of a dungeon and the, you know, the twists were all amazing. Be that your, your fighters might just get straight up snatched. Right, like just grabbed as they're out by themselves hiding, um, like in the the weird horror feels it had to it, uh, especially you know some places scary as the eight points where things are really scary, um, you know Baranthax's Maw, scary places in the world, and even there this this still has a, a feel of horror. I could say all of those things, but realistically, it's all about the fact that your guys can get thrown into lava. <laughs> you know, like, I can't tell you how many times me and Josh played where I, I think I just lost like half my team because we walked across a rickety bridge, you know, or uh, uh, I played, there's a new player and uh, he was playing skeletons. He had like a necromancer with a whole mess of skeletons. And I was like, oh, this should be fun. And he stopped my rat ogres on the bridges and would just move his skeletons around the front of the bridge while I was locked up to try and get them to knock him into the water, into the lava. And I was like, look at this, this guy, these skeletons. And, and you'd kill him because rat ogres are tough. And then another one steps onto the bridge, <laughs> half an inch at a time, still out of engagement range. You know, <laughs> bridge is weakened. Am I going to run away? I got to kill his leader. He's right across the way. Uh, so it just, it got, you know, the, the dynamic 
and the fun, like the just clean fun of having your characters just die. You know, just here's my thirty wound rat ogre in the drink. Like <laughs> here's my here's my leader. Uh, he has tripped on seventy two traps this game and somehow <laughs> managed to stay alive long enough to step on this thing. Now that he's about to grab the treasure and win the game, he steps on the wrong bridge, shatters in the drink. You know, like it just. It's uh, it was it's so fun, and it really I think like captures a lot of essence of the the goofiness that Warcry can be, as well as the brutality of the game, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's very few other games that I know of in general where your char- your models, your characters, your your team is just that squishy. Like, it doesn't matter how big and tough you are, lava kills you, dude. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> Great equalizer, lava is. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's it was just great, and the the interaction with the terrain that was so focused uh, and so clean and easy to figure out um, just made it it fun, and it makes for those memorable moments, right? So if you're if you're playing a miniatures game of any sort, or a D and D game, or any game, you're looking for those moments of glory. Right. I can tell you the first time I beat my grandpa at chess. I can tell you the 37 times after that he whooped me silly. But it's, it's the, that moment of glory, right? Like that, you know, the, the character runs across just in time to step on that one piece of, of bad wood. And all of a sudden the bridge is out. He's dead. And I could, you know, Josh and I have played those games. We, we could talk about those things and, <laughs> and you have those memories and you take them with you forever. And like, uh, that's just such a powerful thing that a game can do. And so with the addition of those rules, like, yes, a lot of it is just kick a fool in the lava. Cause that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just the tactical challenge. Yeah. yeah. Warcry definitely introduced the importance of terrain. Uh, and I think whether, I think the opposite, you know, um, or Paven, you talked about how like height or verticality, adds some different advantages for, for different war bands, which isn't your favorite, but it certainly, it plays completely different. Right. Um, and so I think catacombs, uh, you know, the f- first game I got to play with, with Pavend, uh, my, my little planes runners went over, tapped on the bridge, like just one foot on the bridge, like stomped on it real quick and ran away to see if they could just weaken it. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, those sorts of things just, uh, just change the mood of the game, change the, the tempo of the game. And I think it's really cool that they were able to add something. Um, it's the same, same game, but just change some, some uh, terrain train, change the ba- the board, um, some obstacles. And it's, it feels like a different game. And I think that's mm-hmm. a, a testament to uh, the Warcry design. Anything else anybody has for this one, for the catacombs, some praise or some criticism. Uh, I was just going to add that, you know, with the, with the special terrain that they added, the, the terrain that had, unique effects like the closed doors and lovers but the you know the terrain that would cause damage because it was cursed or whatever it was a really nice touch and i think kind of lends itself to to future um releases where they can add unique terrain that has again effects on the on the the game itself or the you know everything around it so looking forward to what they do and what they introduce going on forward with that yeah all right then uh, out came uh, Tome of Champions 2020. Uh, we have open play, narrative play, matched play. What uh, what stood out to you guys here? Vint, did anything stand out to you here? 
Um, with the Toma Champions 2020, uh, the the pit fights were always pretty neat. You know, getting a whole bunch of your buddies together and and playing as a group, um, is just is just fun. Uh, and as with anything Warcry, all the all the different systems you can kind of put together to make a, a unique experience. Um, you know, you can you can have the three tiered, two boards, multiple players, victory conditions, and all the different things of all the predecessor books, and it it still feels really really fun and really really like again violent and brutal, which is a lot of what's what's awesome about Warcry and quick. Uh, you know, you sit down with four people at a table and you have these intense pit fights. Like, it, it's pretty neat. There's just, there's just dead fighters everywhere. <laughs> and, and it gives it the feel that you're in a pit fight. Did, uh, did the pit fights overlay on top of the Arena of Blood? Was it a replacement for that? Is it similar to that? It's different. Yeah, yeah, so the the pit fights um, were intended for one to three models and, and no more than 250 points. So much smaller um, warband sizes. And it, it had a crowd random element event. But I th- the biggest thing I thought was really cool addition to the pit fight rules here um, was that they added reactions. That you could actually use your singles as a reactions to parry, grapple, or repost. So it was a lot more dynamic. And uh, I tried to add that to one of our events, but we had too many players, so I had to pull it out. So I haven't had to try that yet. But uh, I'm really hoping that they will add something like this. You know, it, you know, whatever the new version of Warcry, you know, the evolution, it, you know, adding some abilities for singles like this would be really cool. Yeah, I think, you know, there's the Hidden Agendas was nice out of that one, too. Uh, the Sother Core campaign was good. Just yeah, just see. the updates, right? It's it's a lot of the the stuff we had that was good out of the twenty nineteen, and then expanded, right? Um, nice. There's just just solid. Yeah, I re- the Sorith Core is like the one that got away from me. That campaign I was so excited about. It was like so detailed. It had such like a rich background, mm-hmm. and yeah, we never got to do it. Uh, maybe we, we still could. We still could. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm I'm like that one was that one was really cool. That the, yeah, no, we'll, uh, 2020 champions is like buy this one this one has like trial of champions it's got a ton of cool rules it's got Sorth core like you're gonna get one tome get 2020 i think yeah and wildfighter rules yeah those are really nice addition a much more detailed ai for your models um all the challenge battles here were, were two players versus the wildfighters so really cool scenarios and and, and you know we're using wildfighters and other uh, you know, in the events and things like that. So, de- you know, definitely nice. a lot of really good material in here. Awesome, awesome. So, uh, definitely did they upped the game. They didn't rest on their laurels. Twenty uh, twenty was still bringing the heat. Right after that, then we got the Grand Alliance books. the The range of models you could use in Warcry exploded. Exploded. Um, how did you guys feel about that? Uh, what did the Grand Alliance kind of books mean for you and your war, your your war band, or the way you were playing Warcry? How about you, Josh? Um, I thought it was awesome that you know the the vision we kind of had earlier on, where you could play 
Warcry anywhere in the realms using the models that you might have for your AOS army and kind of leading to you know that whole narrative to war warband to path to glory to full AOS games was realized. You know, so I thought the options were amazing, and um, the fact that they also added some additional leader abilities I thought was a nice touch. How about you, Vince? You're gonna say something? Uh, I mean, for me, it, it's um. The hobby grows when you can show show your friends, right? The the group of people you play with is as big as your social circle will allow. And it it's nice to be able to walk up to somebody who plays a bunch of Age of Sigmar or walk, walk up to a friend of mine who plays a bunch of uh, Warhammer 40k, but they play demons and be like, hey, by the way, here's a book that I already own because I have chaos things. We can use your rules out of it, too. Like, look at how easy this is. It's you've got two pages you got to figure out. How hard is that, Blades of Corn player? And they go, man, that's great. Um, you know, and it's just it was so easy and and convenient to have all the rules of subsequent warbands. Um, there was an, a night one of my friends who's again he's more interested in 40k than than he was Age of Sigmar at all. He didn't get into he had no Age of Sigmar armies. We sat down and we did monster battles with you know pieces of terrain like okay this is my chimera this time let's fight and against a gargant let's see how it goes and just having that 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 goofy fun experience with so so much options so many options and and have it all lined up so well and just cohesive and then you all also had all of your fun very themey quests based entirely on your 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 faction, your Grand Alliance. And that was super neat too. So in the case, you know, you were an Iron Jaws player, but you wanted to try a different convergence out, here's a here's a convergence that's been maybe retooled a little bit since the first time. Um and or here's a convergence that you can use in um that that ports over pretty easy into a catacombs book or or something of that nature. It's just it was nice. It was very nice. Nice. How about you, Paven? Did it open the doors for you, uh, or did you uh, did you like stepping into this world with uh, more models at your disposal? Yeah, I, I thought the books were great. They're a great way to like on ramp people into the game, as Vint mentioned. Um, they were yeah, they were fun. They had a ton of content. You get to use all your toys in them. I am on the record saying that I think Warcry is too uh, inclusive of the miniatures it allows. I think I like it when it's like maxes out at like ogre size um and so there there were quite some big big boys that got invited to the party with the grand alliance books still cool i do enjoy getting to play with your toys so i think that's not a, a huge criticism um but yeah these are great uh i have them all <laughs> nice yeah i it was i would think i was working on some um uh, an ogre tyrant uh, for my Ogre Nid Warbands at the time this came out, and I was able to to field him with a bunch of Noblars and uh, a couple other ogres, and I uh, I thought it was you know real fun to do, and uh, so there's a, certainly a couple of characters from my AOS armies that I got to bring into Warcry, and uh, I'm pretty happy about that. Um, hmm. But I and and I agree. I think I don't know how you would. You know, it's kind of like um, <laughs> it's tough to. Uh, to invite people to your wedding because at some point you're cutting off and uh, you, you gotta, you've got to play the game is where do you cut people off? Like what layer of relation do you cut uh, from, from invitation to your wedding? 
uh, that's I can see that being a problem here. Like it would have been nice to like leave out some big oval bases or you know some bigger uh, creatures um, and keep it to you know the smaller scale for sure. I, I think I'm in that same page as you, Pavend. Uh, but I could see where inclusivity, inclusivity leaning that way for the books, and then you know if we wanted to to take those away ourselves uh, during an event or something like that, we could, but, um, but yeah, it, it certainly opened the gates. And uh, unfortunately I feel like we were just going into the pandemic uh, when these started coming out. Uh, and so that was short lived in how many people we could like really take advantage of that with our, our league and stuff. Mm-hmm. So wah, wah. hopefully though, <laughs> When we start league back up, these will be a uh, a good resource for that, as long as they're still viable. So definitely, uh, Vint, do you want to walk us into the next release? Well, the next release is going to be Red Harvest. Oh yeah, and uh, Red Harvest saw the Tarantulas brood and our Darko Savagers. Josh knows a thing or two about. Uh, Ooh, coming into the far the front, uh, with some of the the craziest terrain that I think has been out for a game for a long time. It is. It is. <laughs> it is. Uh, did any of you guys ever play Mousetrap as a kid? Yeah. It, it, yeah. it looks like Mousetrap, and and when you flip on the switch and all your characters die, it, it it's Mousetrap. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that is absolutely what happens. <laughs> yeah, Varanite is caustic stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Does a body good, you know? Um, so so with Red Harvest, uh, again, you know, Paven, I know you're a big fan of the, the lore expanding and, and seeing the broader picture. It really does that in this one, too. What do you think, Paven? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think what Red Har- I, I haven't played any Red Harvest games, so that's embarrassing. Uh, you got stuck although in I have the played with my brood, I have played with my brood, but I haven't like you know. Guys, I why did no- like tur- go ahead? I was just saying, why did nobody get pavened out of the catacombs? You just left him there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the machinery's all down there. Yeah, uh, his tarantulas brood are ready. <laughs> yeah, I'm all ready to go. Uh, so yeah, let's play let's play some of these games. Uh, yeah, I feel like the. I don't know. The, the Red Harvest lore moved us forward a little bit, but not too much. It was just kind of like, hey, you know how we lost all that Varanite? Yeah, we got to get some more now. <laughs> and we're like, okay, we're, I guess we're still getting Varanite. Yeah, and so, and it definitely like teased us again for Chaos Dwarves, which I think maybe we'll just be perpetually teased for them. Um, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think I like Var- I like Red Harvest. I don't like it as much as Catacombs. In my, in my, well, maybe one day we can do a Warcry boxed power rankings uh but i think this episode is uh you know already long enough yeah yeah, yeah we gotta uh, play some red harvest games first yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right um, we had three boxes i guess that's not yep. that many yeah well just the core yeah catacombs and red harvest essentially yeah yeah okay maybe when the new box comes out we'll like we can rank them all all right sorry what was the question <laughs> well i will say <laughs> Because even though there's some height in the delves in that machinery, it uh, it it doesn't uh, let you sit on your uh, on your butt too long because you can really get hurt on that machinery. So maybe there's a good yeah. uh, uh, balancing 
that it does there for having some some verticality, but not letting you uh, stay up there and hide too long or anything. Um, but I like it. It definitely adds a flavor of like, I guess it's sort of like the um, you know, the lava where the terrain can punish you, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and I think that's a really good uh, addition to it. And it's it's bat crazy um, looking terrain too. Yeah. Uh, what I, else yeah. came out of Red Harvest? Sorry, I was just going to say one more thing. I really hope, and I guess we mentioned this before, that it seems like the terrain is getting more dangerous with every box. Um, and I hope they continue that in New War Cry. Um, I really like that they're making, like, you know, it's, supposed, it's a really dangerous game, and the board is getting more dangerous. And I, uh, I hope yeah, that I mean, we're, yeah, we're going to player. We're going to Gur. So it feels like pretty on theme for Gur. <laughs> yeah, they got to. It's a layup. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I think the other really big thing they added in Red Harvest was the branching quests. You know, so the concept of choosing your own adventure was a great addition and uh, something we borrowed for the event we ran at Adepticon and, and up here in May and 22nd as well. Really good, a lot of fun, you know, to, to kind of build your narrative within the narrative quest. Great idea. Awesome. Then after Red Harvest was Tome of Champions 2021. Which we just did an episode on. Uh, our was that our last episode, right? Correct. Um, so mm-hmm. that's much more in depth. Um, uh, and so twenty twenty one sort of adds on to uh, or gives us some additional things. Um, I don't know if it's as big a leap as uh, the previous was. Um, there's a couple of like narrative campaigns is new, uh, and I know some of those had come out in some white dwarves. Um, etc. Um, but mm-hmm. it's uh, as I said in the last episode, they're all in one place for the first time. Uh, but it's it lets you kind of play some games from uh, some of the stories and the and the campaign stuff from Age of Sigmar that's come out, um, or from Cursed City um, and that sort of stuff. So it really kind of lets you branch into some of the larger narrative that's going on, which is which is another cool thing. Uh, anything else? Uh, just a couple of highlights stand out from 2021 uh that's a a good addition to the the lexicon yeah yeah you get uh the rules for all the underworld war bands which is oh, uh, yeah very cool lots of rules in there i don't know if we is this the time where we speculate whether like new war cry will invalidate any fighter cards uh because that would be a bummer <laughs> or maybe they would have to if they write if it's like if if it is new rules. Um, well, you know, maybe yeah. it could be, uh, yeah, just a few small tweaks or maybe some new things to add. Yeah, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell at this moment. Like you know, catacombs and red harvest have all added some slightly small things to play ways to play without changing the core rules. This could be something right. similar. Yeah, we'll see. No, it's, it'd be interesting if any of like, um, you know, they're going to where most of our player cards are printed in in books instead of being individual decks of cards etc um except for our core um core one so i guess i'd lean towards they they would keep the war cry specific war bands valid um but maybe modify or change some previously printed fighter cards yeah we'll see we'll see we'll see uh, anything else we want to bring up uh, from Toma Champions? The 
the siege battles from Coalition of Death. We've still yet to play some of those, but we've oh man, siege battle. It. It's, gonna, it's gonna happen. Yep, siege points changes. You know, for all most models. You know, so that they did do kind of a balanced pass, which is good. Yeah, a little bit of housekeeping. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but overall, not as big a leap. Um, they added some more branching quests, uh, which was another kind of again more more to choose from. So it's mm-hmm. it's not like there's nothing here for you. Less less yep. brand new things, I guess. It was more building on old. Then uh in White Dwarf 473, out not too long ago, we've got uh out on the range a Thondia setting uh rules. And uh anybody got a quick uh review on those, what we get in the Thondia rules? Uh I know we Talked on them uh, a couple episodes ago, but uh, it's it's just it's just fun with the with some of the different twists and the different missions you can do. They very they feel very Gur esque. Yeah, if I was gonna have a guess, these are a preview of what we will see, and I'm liking what we're being previewed. I think they're, <laughs> the rules are very fun. I think they've made war they've like made Warcry better. Uh, with what they've learned over the last few years, so it's like a more it, it, you, your games are 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 are, are better and they're more fun and they're cooler. Uh, I think, yeah, <laughs> I, and I'm a big and I and I thought Warcry started from being like Games Workshop's like best rule set. Um, yeah, so I, I'm really excited about that. I think yeah, uh, play more of these. Cool. Uh, and then Vin, what was the last uh, resource that came out most recently? Was the Oath of Ascension. In White Dwarf 475. And what does this cover? Or what's new about this? What's different? Uh, you've got... Well, Josh, do you want to do, do this one? Sure, sure. So so kind of like we had in Tomo Champions 2021 and all the uh, uh, Call of the Ever Chosen articles where they released a narrative campaign, this did it in the White Dwarf for us again. So this is like the next narrative campaign for two players. You play four games... And uh, you've essentially been promised demonhood by some shadowy entity. And so you and another player are duking it out in these four missions, well, three and then the last one, to determine who's going to reach demonhood, the pinnacle of your you know, chaos champion. And it does say other warbands can play it, but you just have to come up with a really good justification of why you're following this shadowy entity to your god. <laughs> so mm. I thought that was a nice little touch. But uh, but yeah, so it's like our next narrative campaign in this White Dwarf, and it looks like a lot of fun to play. Wow! So that means like if you had a warband and leader that you wanted to play in this, you could turn your leader into a demon. Well, no, it didn't say it was necessarily successful. I just said it's a campaign to see if you can reach demonhood. Oh, okay. <laughs> but is there a chance? Are you saying there's a chance? I'm saying that. I can't reveal those secrets here. Okay. <laughs> You're saying that the chaos gods are liars and it's just a pyramid scheme all the way up. Seen you got my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, that sort of wraps up all of the officially published resources uh, that have come out for Warcry since its debut in 2019. Uh, that puts us, uh, we're coming up on our uh, three year anniversary, correct? Yeah. Man, yeah, to kind of follow that up. Um, there are some good resources out there that kind of cover some of these, the, you know, topics that we've covered. 
there's a website called Age of Miniatures where the individual supports a lot of Warcry stuff. But he's put together a searchable Excel sheet-like document that details which books and white dwarfs contain, you know, faded quests, branching quests, you know, the narrative quests, you know, so you can easily search for, you know, what am I looking for, what faction, where is it? So, highly, you know, they did a great job. Um, and I, I did take that information, and I added some additional white dwarf articles that, that were not covered in there, and we will share that on the, our Discord uh, once we release this podcast. So that will be available for you, as well as some additional um, war cry topics and which white dwarf articles they're in and what pages because um, there are of course a lot of different discussions about the creation of war cry how to make warband your own you know even turns into how do you make your chaos waste bases and and so we kind of documented those and which white dwarfs those are in so you could find them nice josh how do people join our discard well if you hop on to mortalrealms.com backslash discord but so that's a great place to go. We get lots of great information. And of course, we will always ask for questions for our podcast coming up, which leads us to our listener questions. What a great now segue. we've got a wide variety of questions here. And of course, people have lots of questions about what we think about coming up and, uh, you know, what other information and resources are available. So the first one, PM Zig Price asks, are there any outstanding White Dwarf articles or campaigns that haven't been featured in a Tome of Champion or other source book? And there are, you know, so as I mentioned, uh, Age of, of Miniatures and our document will kind of detail some of those. And we've, we've touched on some of them, like 474 had a new new rules for Fire Slayers and Idenath Deepkin, as well as a new campaign quest for them. There was an older White Dwarf that had a new campaign quest for the Spire Tyrants. So there are some additional items in those white dwarfs, and those will be detailed in the documents we will share. Vince, you want to tackle the next? They also exist on Warhammer Community, I believe, too. Correct. Yep. So you can find some of them on Warhammer Community if you just do some quick searching. Um, Darth Alec asked, Is there too much content spread too thinly? Uh, man, I wish there was more content all the time. Uh, it is, it is great. Um, and part of the reason Warcry is so awesome is because there's not a, this is exactly what every Spire Tyrant in the universe has done. It gives you a lot of room to write your own narrative. So I don't, I don't think it's too thin. I, we could always use more, in fact. Um, and I don't think it's, it's too little. All right. So, has Warcry become a bit hard to grasp and get into? Uh, another question from Darth Alec. And I don't think it's very difficult to get into as far as understanding the crunch and how the rules work. Uh, the game might have some mechanics, but so does any game. I mean, Monopoly has more rules than your Warband and Warcry. So, if, if Monopoly's hard to get into, then I suppose Warcry would be as well. But, you know, you've got a low barrier to entry for, for dollars, right? Like if you're going to go buy a warband, you're not spending, you know, Imperial night money. You're spending 60, 80 bucks to get, you know, maybe a couple kits to get what you need. And, um, there's always additions to rules, but that's not really going to stop you from playing a game where is my strength higher than your toughness or not. Um, it, mm. it, it, it moves really smooth and sometimes it feels really hard to grasp. Uh, and there's a lot of different ways to learn the strength versus toughness thing that make it easier. 
um, because it always feels a little foreign. Sometimes you just take the chart and you put it in front of you and you play one game and it'll just get ingrained because you use it so much every game and in every interaction. Here's, if if I may say, is I do think <clears throat> if we're talking about like the war cry and all the layers that the four of us like to play, uh, I would say that's probably hard to find where all those pieces are. And part of the reason we wanted to, to create this was because it's some people are like, well, what do I get? There's a lot of books out. Which ones do I need? But I think the way Warcry works well is I think starting with the core rule book or wherever you can get the core rules, uh, if Red Harvest is that or um, uh, the, the core rule book, like just playing the basic Warcry is a great place to start and then add on as you get more comfortable. I think if, if you just say, hey, grab the core rule book and uh, your favorite war band, like that's still the best place to start Warcry, I think. Um, and and the fact that those other pieces are in additional products <clears throat> allows, I think, the base Warcry to stay pretty clean. And then you kind of choose how complex you want it to be um, and, and or not to be, right? Um, so... Yeah, I yes can be spread out, but not a bad thing. I agree with everything said here. It's probably like the easiest game to get in. Um, you can start with the starter set, which is really good. Like, but which is currently like Red Harvest. If you want to like go all in, um, otherwise, as Eric you said, like pick up your Warband, uh, preferably a Warband that has a Warcry box, because uh, that will get you all the rules. Then you all for that Warband, and then all you need is the core rules. The only downside, and I would like them to be able to fill this gap, is that if you picked up, let's say I'm just on the website, is the Slanesh Warband, and then you picked up the core rulebook, you still wouldn't have a quest for that Slanesh Warband to do. And mm -hmm. so you kind of, like, you really want to play a quest. You really want to be able to tell that story. I think Warcry, like, really should be played in a that kind of narrative quest sense. And so you would need to pick up an additional publication to get a quest for your Warband. Uh, that's not true for the original eight chaos warbands, but if you're going to go beyond that, um, you have to get you have to buy one of the Grand Alliance books uh, to get yep. to get quest for them. Um, so, hmm. and that's not obvious, I would say. Um, right, right. So I think there's room to make it easier uh, to just make it like a super like you just need to buy these one or two things and then you're good to go. Yeah, I want to say something real quick in that, uh, as opposed to the Grand Alliance books where it's like everything's included, I'd really like where they've kind of picked a, a selection of uh, an army and put it into, into a box. Um, whether it be for the Stormcast, for the um, Lumineth, uh, for whoever that, wherever they've done that. I, I really like that as a model going forward for like a different armies. band in a box model, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Like they have, they're almost there. I just wish they would print one more card with one basic quest on it. That would yep. be like, okay, now you have your warband. This is your quest. Go play some yep. games. Like that would, be, that would be the, like the, the missing piece. Or in the assembly instructions. <laughs> yeah. Or just like on, on the back of all the tokens. Yeah. Kind of, <laughs> Puzzle them together. Awesome. In a cereal box. <laughs> Invisible ink. And on the, on that note, win with warrior with warrior. Has asked, how should we organize the sprawl of disparate sources of literature so that we don't have to run down the gauntlet 
of each Tome of Champion where we want to find a specific thing. And this goes right back to the Age of Miniatures site and the document we will be providing in our Discord to help you find those things. Yeah. That's a good question. Very relevant. Wiz Warrior's there, so he'll he'll be able to get it. Exactly. Exactly. I think the answer here one day is, um, and this is like many years down the line, is when Games Workshop figures out how to do full digital in like a nice platform. Yeah. Uh, like uh, D&D's figured out how to do. And then like all of your Warcry materials will be searchable uh, in a digital Ooh. format. I think a that's D&D the Beyond for Warcry? Book sprawl. Until then, I'm happy with my books. I'd like them. Um, uh, yeah, but I think that's, that's, that's I think the solution. Yeah. Well, one of the things, getting back to Warhammer Fest, that they've been announcing for other systems is that a lot of the rules and things are going to be online now. Mm-hmm. And that's happening, right? You're getting points updates online. That's fantastic. Uh, a much more living, breathing version of the game. Hey, we saw, uh, you know, Whoops All Dragons took down another two GTs. We should probably change something. Okay, there are 20 points more, you know, for the next three months. We'll see how it plays now. And, uh, you know, being able to make and affect those changes, even if it's just points or even if it's just, hey, we added some models and now there's all the things you need here. And that's pretty yeah. huge. Yeah. Taven, do you want to take the next one? Oh, sure. Uh, Karian asks, do you have any recommendations on the first campaign slash type of game that should be done with a gaming group of new players? How would you approach narrative gaming with a small gaming group of two to four players? I'll answer it. I think you should play basic Warcry where everybody has their own campaigns and you should just match up and play like a bunch of quick games together. I think that's like the it's super easy rules. Everybody progresses win or loss. You only have to win your convergence games and it's a way to get a lot of reps in. And if a game goes bad for you, uh, you know, you just like it's over in like 35 minutes and you re-rack. I think that's the most fun way. Yep. Yeah. I don't I don't recommend multiplayer to start. <laughs> you can recommend it if you want. <laughs> no, no, no. I uh I, I don't think I think you're paving you're one hundred percent on. Um there's a group of people that I just taught one of I taught one of six months ago. Uh and they finally all have time to sit down and play with their play group uh, as of I think two weeks ago, and they all sat and played Warcry all morning like all day. I think they started at ten and ran through convergences and open play missions and tried to figure out everything they could with, I understand the basic rules, let's play. Um, and they played, I think they played catacombs rules. So they were all playing in the, you know, in the dungeon. And um, that was what they did is they just would rotate partners every game until they felt like they had a good time. And were I think probably with this group of friends, a little bit tipsy. So they couldn't, you know, function making new rules up, you know, past where they were. Uh, but they had a blast. Uh, the feedback I got from it was incredible um, that, you know, this group of guys just had uh, an absolute hoot with it. None of them play Age of Sigmar as a primary game. Um, you know, one of them doesn't just plays board games like they they're they're all over the board is what their preferences and background knowledge going into this kind of gaming was. And they all had an absolute riot. Um so, so yeah, just sit down, play with your friends, um, play a bunch of one-on-one games and, you know, the game is fast. The first couple games will probably take a little bit when you're new, but once you kind of get the hang of it, you can crank out a game in, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes, and that gives you plenty of time for snacks and beer runs uh, as needed. 
the next question uh, from me, carry on. If you guys are okay moving on. Yeah. Uh, how do you keep momentum in campaigns when players' availability are low? Uh, this this is a good question. I, I think, uh, you know, actually, Eric and Josh, your first time when you ran the league, there this was a big question we, uh, we had had. Uh, how did you guys handle it? Yeah, I think it, it was, it can be tricky. Um, and I think, you know, generating that hype, uh, you know, we, we made a, a messenger group so we could communicate with other people in the community and organize things. Eric came up with this app reporting system, which was pretty cool. So people could record the results, you know, and we tried to have some uh, unique challenge battle or an event once in a while. But, uh, but yeah, but Eric and I kind of worked together to provide like a, a rule list for the league and, you know, what we thought would be interesting. And um, and just kind of keep that motivation going there. Yeah, and what got us there? Yeah, and we sort of the nice thing about the individual um, campaigns that you're on the quests is that whether or not you advance in yours doesn't affect me or mine, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And so when new players would come into it, uh, we would kind of spot them a couple of things, maybe um, you know whether it be a little bit of glory or. Um, you know, something like that. So they could maybe catch up a little bit uh, or catch up a little bit faster, that sort of thing. Um, and so that, that was, that was something. And I, and I do think that having individual quests means that you can kind of pick up whenever you want. Like if you have to bow out for a little bit and then come back, um, it's, it's not stopping everybody else's game and you can kind of um, uh, pick up where you left off. And, I remember, you know, my first quest, there was a convergence, my final convergence. I played that like four or five times. <laughs> yes. um, so like while, while other people had already finished their first quest, but I was still on my journey and it was still mine. And it, it I didn't feel the pressure to, to finish mine in any particular time frame or whatever. So I think that especially the, the individual quests kind of help some of that. But then otherwise, it's just keep encouraging and inviting and... Um, you know, get in one game, you know, don't, you know, see if you can, if they can spare 30 minutes or 45 minutes and then, uh, you know, move on. Yeah. And in later leagues, uh, occasionally we would try to kick off the first league night with a multiplayer event to kind of generate some excitement, keep people coming back. Yeah. It's tough managing people and, and kind of involvement and engagement is really about, uh, uh, you know, hyping people up and being more concerned about them having fun than yourself having fun. I think yeah. so. Yeah, it's definitely harder since the pandemic too, because people have moved on to different things or are still reluctant yeah. to get together. So uh, we'll be facing away. that challenge ourselves. Yeah, so, yeah, we'll let you know how it goes. So our, our next listener question is from Socrates, and he Whoa. asked, "He, she, Socrates? Yeah, Socrates. Do you think it's the Socrates? The Socrates? It could be. You know, reincarnated. Socrates." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Be excellent to each other. <laughs> what are your expectations, hopes, fears now that Warcry is moving towards Gur? I think we touched on a lot of this already, but I, you know, open it up. Did anybody else have anything else they wanted to add? I mean, we've got the floor is lava as a game in, in catacombs <laughs> and in Red Harvest. Uh, I think now it's like, I mean. I think we, we alluded to it, but I, I think the more I think about it, that that the terrain is alive uh, yeah. with the sound of music. Um, yeah. The hills are alive with the sound of music. Um, 
and and so I think it's it's even more like jumping around trying not to get eaten by things uh, as you're trying to kill other people and other things and uh, yeah, a Venus fight fly trap was would be perfect uh, and other stuff like that. I I think I've already shared a lot of my hopes. I want to share one fear. I think my fear is that GW gets too safe with their miniature design. Like they design like kind of just additional models for well-known factions. Um, And I think what's really fun about Warcry for me is like the exploration of the nooks and crannies of the realms. And I thought Warcry has always been a really cool way to explore that. I hope they continue Mm -hmm. to do that. Um, So my fear is that would be my fear. But I'm I'm mostly just super pumped. Uh, I'll I'll mention one fear that I've seen expressed on different forums and that, that that fear is that GW will change the rules too much. I think people are, are really worried, uh, you know, like I know Kill Team had changed, and apparently I'm not completely familiar with all the rules changes, but there was some changes that people really didn't appreciate, and there are some concerns that they'll change too much because they think most people think Warcry is in a great place, you know, and again, maybe they'll add some rules, make some minor updates, but they they really don't want a huge rule change. So I think that fear is out there that they may do too much. So we'll see. I hear you. I hear that. Because it's, I mean, the thing um, that kind of had me stop playing AOS is it got very complex. Yeah, I just, uh, and and Warcry fits that kind of like low bar of entry, um, easy to understand and play with infinite kind of possibilities on the table, it feels like. Um, and so I could see the fear of it changing too much or uh, not that it, I mean, if they changed it and it was different but still light i think i'd be okay Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's for me it's mostly that lightness and and ease of of introduction that i want i would want to preserve uh xandar would love to hear your thoughts about playing narrative war cry with a gm arbitrator who also controls a warband similar to necromunda heck yeah do it do it just yes (laughs) so i think it's i mean it's probably similar to how we already played our leagues, right? Um, so you had, yeah, I mean, you had a couple of, of uh, games or scenarios uh, that you created for multiplayer versus the table. Um, I I was running a Renown and Ruin um, game, which is based off of the Hinterland stuff for a while. Uh, and what I'll say is that... One versus many is very lopsided. So like one, like as the GM, your warband needs to be pretty big to match two or three other players worth of warbands. And the, uh, I guess in, I haven't done this in Warcry, but like, I think that the back and forth activation probably plays well into it. Um, but I don't think you could, I, I think you gotta just, I think the warband size is probably the biggest factor. The same way that, like in D anD D, the um, the rating of the monsters is important, right? How difficult they are, uh, the CR rating or whatever. Like if it's too low, then it's going to be a walk in the park and not that interesting. Uh, if it's too high, then you smash everybody to pieces. Um, so you just, I think you just got to play with that that the number of models on the table kind of balance. Well, I, I think um, 
The nice thing about Warcry is I think challenge battles and wildfighters do a lot of this for you. Uh, so, I mean, a challenge battle is essentially having, you know, an arbitrator, you know, playing the NPCs or the monsters versus your mm -hmm. warband. So, uh, you know, um, so I think that's captured in a lot of the ways. One one place, you know, we talked a little bit about Sorth Core earlier, and one place where I think this could be really useful is in a Sorth Core campaign, where you've got a GM who is kind of, you know, um, moving things along, and you know, because Sorth Core has several different stages where you're fighting. And having a GM there that may be coming out with a flyer and like, oh, this is what's happened this week. And, you know, this is where these warbands are at. And maybe putting model, you know, markers on the map and where the different warbands are hanging out. I think that's where a GM arbiter can really come in handy is if you're having like a news releases or you're doing a map based movement. But, you know, uh, you know, kind of visualizing the story and the narrative more so. Or if you're creating a unique location. Like, you know, say in Gur, where the campaign is set there and it's different than a standard narrative campaign, but it's yours, yours is built in, you know, creating that aspect that I think that's where that would be really useful. And it could be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think, you know, things as simple as like zombie missions or, um, you know, having having a, a, a herd of of simple chaotic beasts that are, are drawn to the closest thing or drawn to the the lightest painted model. <laughs> you know, you, you, you find a way to, to make it fun. And it's all about those memorable moments with the, those kind of games. Like, absolutely. Like, tell your story. Help other people understand and tell the story, too. Because it should be a group effort and, and make it make it fun for everybody. So, absolutely. It's, it's a fun exercise to do. Uh, it's neat because you get to be creative in a way with your list that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do. So... I think it's nice. I think it's great. Awesome. And uh, we, our last listener, Tectonic Dan, has four questions. So um, I will tackle the first one, and then we'll kind of share throughout. First question is, how do you get into the narrative mindset with uh, without the full-blown RPG mindset of D&D &D or something like that? And uh, it can be hard, <laughs> so it really depends on your game and what you're playing. Like sometimes you're just playing because you want to get that game in and get to your next, uh, your tick on the campaign chart. Oh, I really want the command trait. Um, and other times you're, you're full blown into the, Oh, what ally do I want? What does it say about my war band? How does it change the theme? And you know, it, it's definitely a balance. And I, I think that uh, it's good to have both. And uh, there are certain points where, you know, you just have to pull yourself out and not get too bogged down in the narrative. Um, if, the other person is doesn't feel the same way but but I, I i think it's definitely okay to do how about you guys what do you think yeah i i've always said narrative is a is a is a spectrum um uh, for some people that it doesn't feel that comfortable um uh without certain other things like when you name your character right that now they're kind of set apart from a generic uh when you start playing war cry there's there's narrative moments that sort of happen uh, that you start kind of collecting. Um, and to be clear, like you could have a uh, full blown RPG moments if you want to in between games, uh, you know, where you're just kind of uh, reflecting or thinking about how uh, your warband goes or the stories you tell about your games to other people is a perfect place to kind of get a little bit more RPG minded. Um, but I would say uh, take it a little step at a time. And just add a little bit more narrative here and there, and I think you're you'll end up snowballing, uh, you know, into more narrative than you expect. 
Absolutely. Uh, the next question: uh, Do you have na- do you use narrative matches mixed into your campaign with campaign warbands, uh, characters, or with one-off lists? I think yeah, absolutely. I I have uh, I have gone by the name of Durai the Lucky on Discords because Durai just keeps he's my beast uh my beast lord model that I use for a lot of my uh, beasts of chaos games for a really long time and man he would he died every single game every single game um that being said there is a few of his his subordinates that had you know you know really great stats or they had found some destiny uh in in the catacombs and they had kind of worked through some things um and they all had names on paper but my focus was on durai leveling himself into or building himself into this great beast lord uh which was really really comical that every time he'd he'd do anything he'd fall over and get knocked down so it, it's absolutely you use use your your narrative matches um you can use you know if i was just doing a pickup game durai would come with because warcry works that way uh it really lends itself to however you'd like to play um and if that means you know hey i've got an hour to hang out with my friend. We're going to play some Warcry. It's going to be great. At the end, I take pictures, we roll some dice, um, and I tell the story of, of how I played, you know, Josh, and we only had an hour, so we didn't do our narrative phase at the end. But now we've, you know, we've got the information for me, for my narrative, uh, as it would pertain to, to the mission, even if it is a match play or an open play mission, because the narrative keeps going, you know? Yeah, and you start to build up rivalries and things like that just based on the games you've played. And I think with a lot of the rules we talked about in our resources, there are campaign events and even the Fel Nyroth tournament, which which you can use in a campaign setting and get glory and stuff. So they're, way, they're even incorporating match play and other ways to continue your narrative outside of your narrative quest, which I think is great. I liked when the they first introduced the uh, Chaos Knights and a uh, Varengard as like a warband uh, that you could go up against. Um, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, the challenge battle. Yeah, yeah. So, um, all right. Then there's a question for me: How often do you play challenge battles in a campaign? Do they not count as nodes in a campaign to limit the accumulation of swag? Um, I don't know about the so the 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 second part, um, do they not count as nodes? I don't know the motivation. I would say uh, if anybody else has a more inkling on that, I mean, that could be one thing in that, um, you know, playing one game that gets you a monster and advances you, um, et cetera. I think that more so there's a, there's a narrative to like, hey, you're going off to do something else. Uh, and so it's, it's not aligned with your, your path. So it, you're just taking a side, it's a side quest kind of thing. Yeah, that's um, how I feel about it. And then how often do you play challenge battles in a campaign? Um, so most of the challenge battles, these are more monster oriented, right? Um, well, there are a lot of different ones, but we just haven't had the opportunity to play them because the pandemic. So, I mean, a lot yeah, of this yeah. stuff came out during that period of time. So, yeah. yeah. So I think one of the things that we had planned to do too, like it's, 
you get to decide what kind of monster that you go and try and challenge. And so some of it was getting used to Warcry and saying, okay, well, what monster would go with this warband? What monster goes with that warband? Uh, and I don't have any chaos monsters. So I haven't played, uh, I've, I've been on the monster side of a challenge battle. Uh, I think, uh, did I play that against you, Josh? Yeah, yeah, myself. And, um, uh, maybe Paven, yeah myself for sure and uh so i would say i mean for each warband you might only do one or two depending on what monsters you want to collect if you have a a warband that wants to go and collect a lot of monsters you could you could play them over and over and over and i think here's the thing is they're sort of um not part of the campaign so that you can choose to do that anytime and not feel like you're limited now you can only have like two or three monsters in your warband if you want to add them to your warband uh, yeah, it's one. One. But, but I mean, there are lots of other challenge battles now, too. There's, you know, some where you play, you know, two warbands together against, you know, um, wild fighters. Uh, there's some others where there are objectives and you're fighting against roaming beasts. So I think some of it can kind of, you know, if you're building your narrative and you're like, oh, I'm going to go explore a temple, yeah. uh, you know, branching off, you know, maybe you do the challenge battle or maybe there's not enough people a week. Yeah. And you're like, oh, maybe we should just play this challenge battle since uh, you know, we don't have as many players this week. Yeah. yeah. Lots of options. Yeah. Yep. So I think it's, yeah, it's just sort of options for you to go and play and not feel like it, it has to attach to your campaign or be a, you know, a big weight uh, that you have to do it that way. So play them and add them however you want to. Yeah. And then some of them do have some great swag. They just don't necessarily advance your campaign narrative quest. Sure. And then we got a question for Paven. Do you want to read that one? Hell yeah. Paven, favorite die ability from a battle scenario. Oh boy. I don't remember. <laughs> uh, all right. How about, how about, uh, I've never done it, but I always really liked the visual of push somebody off the edge from catacombs. Oh, I believe yeah. it's a triple and then it's a toughness check against yes. the fighter you are positioned against and like oh great a use for toughness because uh, we've, we've long on this podcast thought toughness was a overvalued stat uh, but it was <laughs> great to have like oh okay so my big guy can like go and like push somebody push some jabroni into the into the fire um, so that that's a good one I like that one mm-hmm. more pushing more toughness contests in the future <laughs> yeah. yeah more like act more like things you can do that aren't just like move and punch yeah. You know, I like that. Like, you know, flipping switches and uh, right. yeah, pushing people and I don't know, doing other other actions. I don't know. Maybe that was it. Maybe that was the <laughs> end of the list. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I think the, the, the one of the ones I think is fun is in the monster hunting abilities. There's one where you can taunt the monster to attack you. Uh, and that just it's a great visual. It's like, oh, yeah, come attack me, you big giant come get this I ain't scared of nothing (laughs) how about you Vint or Eric you guys have any ideas there Hmm. Uh, I too like the push the push mechanic um, because you start to realize like there's some really random stuff with some really random toughness you know Uh, ghosts with uh, with tough five like it's nuts it's really crazy. <laughs> nice. Um, my favorite uh, 
is the first fang has an ability to harpoon people and drag them uh, die inches uh, in in the direction of the the first fang, and it has been clutch for me in a number of things. It's how I've won my final convergence, uh, having to clear one corner of the board Quarter, of any yeah. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. any models, so I yanked one uh, towards the edge um, or into another quarter. I've uh, yanked uh, white kings, you know, off balconies into you know billion of pieces on the ground. Um, and the slaughter priest that I use has a similar um, thing where they can kind of pull people towards them. Uh, and so it's I, I love in Warcry because movement's so important. I love being able to change where people are on the table. I think that that's um, I'd love to see some more of that. You know, pushes is, is one of those, right? It's kind mm-hmm. of the opposite of push. It's pull. Go figure. Uh, uh, you guys say push. I say pull. Tomato, tomato. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's it's fun deciding where the people's models are. Yeah, it's like the critical hits and falling. You know, the, all of those kind of film that yeah. same space. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. All right. Well, thanks everybody. Yeah. Thanks for all the questions. Discord peeps. I think uh, that's all we got. Haven. You want to wrap us up in a little bow and tie it neatly? Sure. Wrap, wrap, wrap it up. Uh, yeah. Thanks, everybody. Uh, it's great to have a big old show. Round out the season. We'll probably have an extra bonus episode just to round out our circle of paint challenge. So uh, that could be fun. I uh, would love to talk to you all more in our Discord, themortalrealms.com forward slash Discord. Uh and yeah, uh, if you're in the greater Midwest area, come hit us up in Madison, May 22nd at Pegasus Games. Correct. Correct. Yep. Pegasus Games. Uh, we're going to run. Well, I'm not doing anything, but <laughs> the rest of the crew is going to run our Adepticon event. Shadow of Malice going to be a great time. I wish I wish I wish I could be attending it. Uh, it sounds so fun. Uh, playing War Cry as an event is like really a really nice event game. You don't get that tired. I don't know if he's out there gets <laughs> yeah. tired playing like two games, at, two games of Sigmar, and I'm like I'm asleep. Uh, but I can play all the War Cry all day. It's very casual and fun. Nice. So uh, come out to that. Hit us up. There's uh, more information and- about the event on our website, themortalrealms.com forward slash events, uh, and you can email Josh at dogsofwarcry at gmail dot com if you want to register. Or you can call us. Just just bring us up. Uh, we'll, we'll give, <laughs> yeah. you, the, give you the details. <laughs> just howl into the night. And yeah. if, you're, if you're a true dog, we'll... Uh, <laughs> All right. All right. Good everyone. night, everybody. Bye. <laughs> yes, have a good one. It's time to put a muzzle on this episode. If it was a good dog, support the show with a positive review on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast. Share it with friends. Join us for hobby discussions at themortalrealms.com backslash discord or leave a tip at themortalrealms.com backslash patreon. More content is available at themortalrealms.com and on Twitter at Dogs of Warcry.